Hello, I'm Eagle. Eagle Gardens. Eagle Gardens. One. This is Talk Talk Shit with Eagle, episode 384. Good morning, guys. How you guys doing tonight? Thought I'd at least pop in for a few. Shut myself off in the background. Joe, why? Just ice stone. How you guys doing? I got my chat popped out here. Little boiler. The biscuits. There we go. What's up, dude? Guys smoking on five watching. Cheers. Ancient soul Rome Red Pill. Guys smoking. I see no answers. Good morning to you. Chop up some uh, primal punch. I grew. Did Silky Silky Sounds pretty good as well. Where are my scissors? Smiley episode was very good. Smiley, Brandon, Russ nailed it down. Sounds pretty good. I just was working in the garden, uh, chopping down, still working on chopping down that barbecue gorilla. Amongst a ton, a ton of shit that I need to do. Almost ready for Jamie is in the house. Must be everybody must be watching the smiley episode. Don't blame it. Bill changes way. 
smash cakes are good. Do love that shit. Especially the first smoke, the first round of smoking. What up, Red Bill? Yo, yo. Hey, my name. I, I learned how to change it. Yeah, What's going on? I called it out when uh, he popped up, man. Dig it. Woo! Dig it. All right. No more Samsung. No more Samsung. That's what I was just going <laughs> to say. No more Samsung. Oh, yeah. Feels good. Having that, an identity. <laughs> Getting it back, rather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one will ever be confused. I'm like, I can't find him on Instagram. <laughs> I always forget the 710. I always just put uh, red pill. Well, if I'm the first one to come up, if you just type red pill without the 710, then I must have done something right. Uh, right. Algorithm mm-hmm. favors you. That's a good thing. So better than being shadow banned, right? Hey, am I just tripping out, or is your your background just going clickety clack? I'm seeing a whole bunch of different clickety clack. I should uh, look through it. I've got some ones later in flower from this this series where the fucking of this same. This is a, a. Lemon Lima drops and a Primal Punch grow under uh, the low Pro Max LED. And them fucking buds get as big as my arm, my forearm. Mm-hmm. They fucking, you can watch them every morning. They fucking, they go, they, they get, come from their sleeping position and they fucking stand up for the fucking daylight wow. time and then they flop back down. Then they, at one point, the fuckers get so big, they just flop over and you can see me pop in and kind of straighten shit out. Fucking. But yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking nice grow, man. Uh, really nice grow. Yeah, I kind of thought I'd mix it up a little bit while uh, things were... Yeah. Was that Lincoln Park that, I, that you started off with? What was that? Oh, no, that was uh, Lip Biscuit. Okay. A boiler. <laughs> Close. Oh, oh, same time frame. Definitely, definitely. What's up, Eagle? Red What's Hill. Up? What's How's up, John? <clears throat> I got a bean pop-up. Beanage? Yeah. I got a, I got a bean that pops up. Yeah, and the... Uh, in the outside sand. The dirty sand. The dirty sand. It popped up first in there. So kind of kind of surprised about that. It popped up this morning. How saturated do you have to have that sand for it to stay to, uh, moist on the top? Well, I basically just moisten the sand just so that it's not it's, it's not soupy, you know what I'm saying? It's just moist. And then after that, I put a little water down at the bottom of my, uh, my bin, mm. my little, my dome, so that the moisture kind of circulates inside there. So it keeps it moist. So it's kind of, 
working together. I think but, that's yeah. crucial. You probably won't be able to yeah. pull that off without the town. I well, yeah, it it would probably happen without the dome because it happened outside. Really? Yeah, I just threw some beans out there for a bird that was that was stuck. So here we are. This is uh, this is the wash stand. Nothing showed up there, and there's the the outside stand. And you see a little guy right there. Yep. So I've, I've got one showing up in here already. So that's pretty cool. The experiment is working. <laughs> so that's exciting. I like it when stuff comes together like that, you know? All right. I thought I lost down there for a second. I didn't hear anybody saying. No, we just momentarily hit some crickets in the building. I was just thinking what happens next. Like, do you start feeding it nutrients right away because it's in sand? Well, no, what I'm going to do is I will let it get to a certain point. There's got to be nutrients in that sand. You know, there's got to be. From, well, I know my understanding, from my understanding, what I've heard is that desert sand is some of the most nutrient-rich soil there is. Because when you have a rain out in a sparsely rained area, as soon as it rains, you got a bunch of activity going on, you know? Out in the desert, you got all kinds of growth. It just comes out of nowhere, which is strange. I, I just always so, wondered if you can make, uh, uh, like, your version of, uh, of a FPJ. That would be cactus. I wonder if you could make FBJ out of cactus. What's, no, what's, F, what's FBJ? Fermented plant juice. Oh, okay. The KNF, what the KNF people do. You're supposed to take like vigorously growing plants. Like you're supposed to like look around, find a vigorously growing plant, take bits of that, chop it up, mix it with, you know, uh, brown sugar. Uh, cap it off with brown sugar, leave an aerated cap over the jar that you have sitting in or the bucket, and then it just does its thing. And then that fermented plant juice, FPJ, uh, is supposed to, you know, do everything that the plant was doing, but it's supposed to, you know, pass it on to whatever you're feeding it to. So I would think that you could make super desert plants. You know, we yeah. plants thrive in the desert. And I don't know if anyone's on this. You have to find someone that's all about KNF, but also lives in the desert. I'm sure there has to be one person that made a FPJ from a cactus. Well, if there is, and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Another I experiment. Got I got Write them down. People. Yeah.
I'm willing to give stuff a try, you know, see what happens. Yeah, I like doing that kind of crap. And I'll be taking my, uh, my outside plant, I'll be taking that down tomorrow. She's, uh, she's purpling out on the buds on the outside. Not really purple, more of a maroon color. Kind of a, a reddish purple, you know what I'm saying? Burgundy. Yeah. Yep, a burgundy color. And uh, underneath all the leaves, it's all, it's all colored out up underneath them. And it's just frosty all over the place. All right, yeah, it sounds like perfect yeah, plant. Yes, it's got a lot of dirt on it. <laughs> Spray her down, hose her down before yeah. you chop her. Hose her down and give her a little shake. Yeah. Good idea, I'll do that. Yeah. But I don't really want to use this regular water that we have out here because that would be kind of uh, terrible. No, you're going to want to go to your nearest Catholic church and ask for their holy water. It's going okay. to be primary option to start with. The holy water. Get me some holy water. I got a dab to take. There you go. Boy, it is warm in here right now. I gotta go turn my air on or my uh, swamp cooler. I gotta get some air out of this house. It's crazy. It's that warm over there already, Johnny. Yeah, it it's eighty five in my house right now. It's pretty warm. Yeah, so I'm gonna turn that on for an hour, and it'll suck all the air out, bring some of the cool air in from outside. Yeah. It was a nice day today. It'll probably take about uh, about five, 10 minutes and this place will be down to about 79, right around there. So what you smoking on tonight, Eagle? Oh, Primal Punch. I started to roll it up and never really uh, got to it there. So, uh, just why I'm trying to get to this video uh, that uh, I was that's playing behind me. Bring this up. So, red pill, this is this the same girl. Let me bring it up so I can screen share this picture. I'm still looking for the, the time elapse video, but this is that same girl a little further on right here. I mean, it was, wow, it was, yeah, it was a nice girl. That was the first run under that light, too. And that fucker was just donkey dicks. Each one of those was as big as a bottle. On that girl. <laughs> that's one light going across the four by eight? Lens. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a low, that's a 660. Wow. Uh, low pro max 660 there. 
I like that. <laughs> Some fresh cured gone dog mimosa that I cut down a few days back. <clears throat> Got an early sample so, out of the container. Oh, nice. Here's, yeah. So here's another uh, shot for representative of uh, uh, that girl. <laughs> uh, how big those butts are. Oh, yeah. Not too, not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. The video is fun to watch, so that's why I'm kind of looking at it. It's a lot better. Yeah, so Smiley threw it down today. It's the only stuff. Yeah, it was a good show, man. I got up this afternoon and I started running around doing some stuff and getting busy, getting some things done. And then I looked at the clock and I said, oh, shoot, I'm late. Because <laughs> I'm just not used to it being that early, you know. So I jumped on. It was it was already halfway done. Yeah. Let's go back and watch it. I think that's where a lot of, a lot of us are right now is re-watching this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad a uh, subject got brought up without me having to ask a question because I know Brandon's kind of, uh, he's got his own opinion about, or he's doing stuff with trichoderma that the, in the last few months slash all the research or the stuff that I've been listening to in the past few months to a year, there's been like negative things said about trichoderma, which is weird because it used to be part of the microbe regiment that I was feeding. And I used to think that was half the reason why my plants were doing good is because I found one out of three microbe supplements. And the one out of three that I had was six different strains of trichoderma. And I was thinking like, oh, trichodermis is, the, is a good one. It's the best. It's better than all the subtilis and all the bacteria strains. So I'm glad that that got talked about. And I, I could probably hear a discussion about that for multiple hours. I, I so, caught about half of it myself. Yeah, so, so what are they saying about that stuff? They're saying it's, what are they saying that's oh, bad about Well, that's what I mean. It, it definitely, it didn't go into like super long detailed thing, but it definitely sounded like Brandon had to, spec had to specify that it's like one certain, whatever, uh, I don't want to say strain if that's not the correct terminology, but it's one specific trichoderma that he's using that is really good. So I just needed more like, a, a deeper discussion about the benefit, how beneficial is trichoderma? Are there negative side effects to it? Because I've heard people bring that up and I, I don't know enough about the biology of those 
microorganisms enough other other than to hear that there's two opposite opinions. I've heard people say that they're good. I've heard people say that they're bad. I used to think that they were good based on the results that I would see in using, like I said, I would use, I went, I got carried away with microbes at one time. I was using azos, mycos, roots, organism, uh, piranha, tarantula, and voodoo juice. Right. The, <clears throat> the piranha was the one that had six different strains of uh, trichoderma. And it was uh, it wasn't even advanced nutrients. It was like before advanced nutrients started selling it, and it was like a certain doctor's proprietary formulation of it. And like I said, they had uh, the the tarantula, which was all their subtilla strains. Supposedly, their voodoo juice was either one or two different uh, subtilla strains that were were the only new, uh, the only information that they could have done testing on in the place in the world. They couldn't do it like in America or Canada. Supposedly they conducted studies in Israel that you know, they were okay with because Israel's pretty, uh, whatever, uh, progressive in marijuana or medical marijuana research. Yeah, they are. Anywho, the, the voodoo juice was supposedly formulated there because that was a place that they could use actual subtilis strains that were like supposedly co-evolved or supposed to be living on the surface of cannabis roots. I don't know how far deep that science goes, but like I said, I, based on the results I, I saw, I could only conclude that it was because I was using such a heavy amount of microbes and such a diversity of microbes. Like I said, there's six different inputs. There's nitrogen fixing, there's mycorrhizal, there was beneficial fungi in the form of trichodermal, beneficial uh, bacteria in the form of uh, the tarantula and voodoo juice. The What I got brought up on or the information that I first learned was you can't overdo it on microbes. I, I don't know if that's true or if other people have more, like I said, in-depth research in knowing that. But I thought the more diverse and the more abundant your soil biology is, the better you're doing, regardless of if you're in a sand, silt, clay mixture or a super soil mixture, regardless of that. It's the amount of soil biology you have living, you know, living or the highest amount of living organisms you have in your soil is what I thought was the best thing. So trichoderma, good or bad, to be continued. Yeah, sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the KNF of the uh, um, the outside plants that you were talking about, I wonder if some of the, the tumbleweed style of weeds that we have out here would be something that would be beneficial because they grow in just about i mean very sparse <coughs> water you know my my guess would be when they're in their seedling form you know before they desiccate and come out of the ground and roll around right oh yeah, yeah. Those when they're, they're younger 
they're probably full of hormones. Yeah, that's probably right. a really good thing to use. And uh, when I moved out to Colorado, uh, that was actually it's the same as when I saw my very first palm tree in real life when I went out west. Right? I was like, there's a real palm tree. No, I, I knew I was in the west when I moved to Colorado and I would do the whole going to Colorado back to Wisconsin from Wisconsin back to Colorado. Uh, when, you're, when you're in Kansas and you're in Nebraska, you're in Colorado and you see them damn tumbleweeds blowing by. And to you me, know you're mind, not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> my mind went to Looney Tunes. I was automatically transported in the realm of the Roadrunner and the Wiley Coyote. And I'm like, yes, this is real. It's not just a cartoon. There's really tumbleweeds. And like, like serious, the ones that are like, six foot in diameter and blowing across the middle of the road and you gotta like turn around oh yeah yeah there's <laughs> there's times where there's a whole herd of them that will pass across the road not just one i'm talking like 12. <laughs> yeah i mean you know, like and they're bouncing you can feel them bouncing yeah. like the basketball like right across the fucking ground it's yeah crazy. and you don't want really to get hit by one of those because they're kind of spiny no <laughs> Good thing we were in a car, but still, same thing. Like to see uh, a fucking tumbleweed up to the windshield of a truck. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a good size. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the little ooby doobies or whatever they're called. Those habibis, haboobies. Is that literally what they're called? Haboobies? The little desert twister cyclones that all form oh. little desert. Yeah, we call them dirt devils. They're devils. Yeah, because they're a devil. Once you once yeah. they come across, I mean, if you have your window open and it comes across, it's going to fill your car up with dirt. I've seen that too. Like literally, like it, it it's it, it looks cartoony. It literally looks like Tasmanian devil spin around. Yeah. And we're like, what the fuck is that? And it literally <laughs> looked like a, the smallest tornado you've ever seen. And you can yeah, see yeah. like the little cyclone of wind and literal like those. You know those like clumps of dirt that are like hard like a rock, but if you squish them, they all like disintegrate. Yeah, it was like twenty five of those in a whirlwind that was maybe like five or six feet tall, following the side of the road. Oh, that's a trip. Yeah, yeah, I see them out here all the time. Mm -hmm. When I'm going out to uh, Boulder City, there's a big uh, a dry lake bed out there, and they have a lot of uh, solar arrays lined up out there and stuff and and uh, you go out there in certain times during the summer and uh and you get a nice good wind kicking up and it'll come through that little valley and you'll have two or three of those suckers spinning around down in there you know? mm -hmm. really cool when i was uh gosh i was about 16 no, I wasn't 16. I was about, about 15. I would say, yeah, around 15. My dad and I and my cousin were selling tools on a street corner that we had rented. We'd rented a corner lot. So we had tools set up on blankets, new tools, and, and all kinds of different stuff. And, and we had a little uh, iron-on display on a cardboard display set up and it's iron on for t-shirts, you know, so it's, it's each one of them had a little, their own little baggie in it, you know, and, 
and it had the little iron-on thing inside of it. It was plastic, you know, wrapped and all. We're sitting there, and all of a sudden, man, it just seemed like out of nowhere, we had a twister come through. It was dirt up. But this was in in the city of Portland, Portland, Oregon. And it this thing rolled in and it started trying to lift up all the uh the little runners that we had that our, our tools were on, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it got and it got to that uh that little display and it was just like in the movie Twister where they, they dropped those dopplers off into it, you know, and they went off in there and were flying around yeah. so they could get all that information. Uh, it was, I saw that movie in theaters. Yeah. I'm, and I'm it was, that old slash young. Watched Twister okay. in theaters. <laughs> right. I did too, yeah. So um, it was it was pretty amazing because these, these uh, um, all of these little iron-on packages were at different levels throughout this twister you could literally see the funnel of it going up in the air and coming down and, and it was just full of those displays <laughs> i mean it was just flipping around up in their paper and my dad goes like this he says he goes you know you got to go get every one of those <laughs> where, where where i'm at i'm in a really really weird like four block radius of a really weird microclimate. And a couple years ago, uh, a little storm came down similar to that and it uprooted and, and broke apart like 30 to 50% of the neighborhood trees that, that were there. And like the whole landscape is different when you're driving down the road, there's like more sun exposed to the, to the road because it used to be lined with trees and trees. parkways was like, it a twister I, I don't know it was i don't know if it was a full form thing it was something that happened like in a flash of a second it like blew apart all these trees knocked like everyone's power lines down everyone had trees either on the roofs or the garage roofs my dad had to rebuild this fence that you know that they had to redo the power lines but uh it's just a really weird spot where we're at and it sometimes happens and you can kind of feel it, but not to that extreme. That was like as, as bad as it gets, but maybe around wow. this time last year, uh, me and my dog were out in the backyard and I heard that like cyclone sound and I'm like, Ooh, you know, and like, oh. I, could, I could hear it. Like, I don't know how far away, but I could hear it approaching closer and closer. And like that same thing happened where it literally felt like a vacuum, like someone had a vacuum cleaner was going right over the whole like block, you know, slowly. And I was yelling to my dog, like, we got to go inside. Come on, let's get inside. Go, go, go. <laughs> and he's just digging around, playing in the backyard, having fun. And the same thing, like there was a weird updraft where it literally felt like a vacuum, like everything was being sucked up. And luckily it only lasted like six seconds. And I, I thought it was bad. I was like hatcheting down, like something's fucked up. Like this is, we got to bunker down. I was screaming to my dog to try to get inside. And luckily it passed by and he was slow to it. Cause like he said, said he's stubborn. He doesn't really listen right away until he realize, realizes how frantic I'm being. So like after it was already passed by, it was finally when he started looking at me like, what's going on? 
so he came chase to the chase me to the gate to get back inside and we went inside and i was like holy shit like i i to me i thought it <clears throat> i got caught outside in a place where you should be in a basement or something i literally right. thought that i was right in the fucking ground zero of where a tornado you thought you were in the out. eye of the tornado yeah yeah exactly yeah that's a trip you know my dad I grew up, he's kind of weird. I thought he used to exaggerate it just to kind of make me laugh, but he kind of gets weirded out by storms. Like, he'd be like, we got to go downstairs and you know, put on a weather channel and just listen to it until the whole thing's over with. You know, like, peek open the blinds and be like, that's oh, looking really bad out there. He used to do that. <laughs> I used to think it was just him fucking with me. Like, he would pretend it's worse than it is just to kind of be silly. Well, he had a work encounter where the building that he works at isn't far from here. And the same thing kind of happened where like a touchdown of a baby tornado started. And the place that he works at is like, a, they do a lot of heavy machinery lifting, like, you know, like factories and warehouses and stuff. And they'll put in big giant automotive presses and just huge heavy machinery that needs cranes and that kind of stuff to lift. So he's in the like warehouse or the, the the actual place of business where they got all like the machines and cranes and forklifts and that uh, stored. And it's like a big uh, open covered type roof and whatever, right. it, it got sucked open and blown open. And they got all those safety harnesses that you can like attach yourself to, you know, so you don't fall if you're climbing something high. And right. They, and him and a couple of buddies actually had to use those and tie themselves off to something when the roof the completely Yeah. The whole roof came off the building and he said he was like being sucked out. Like his arms were like towards the ground and his legs were being up. You know, like if you put your float, if you put those like little swimmy floaties on your ankles right. and you're in the water and then you're dangling and your head's underneath the water and your feet are above water because you're upside down and that it was like right. that in a tornado and out of all places for part of the roof to fall, it fell in the parking lot directly right on top of his truck. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so I, I always felt bad for my dad. Like I didn't never knew if he was serious about being afraid of storms. And then I felt bad because like out of all people, if he really was afraid of storms, he had to go through like the worst fucking Almost being yeah. sucked into a fucking tornado. Yeah, if you think about that, it's just like the Twister. You know, the movie Twister, man, they had to tie themselves down to a, a what was it, a, a plumbing thing that was... Yeah. A See, it was literally like that. Like in that yeah. last final scene of Twister, where like, and then you're being sucked away and you're only attached to something you're tethered to. But yeah, yeah. his the, the roof of that uh, construction building got launched and fell directly on top of his former work truck the truck that he has now is what he got to replace that truck that the roof fell down on top of <laughs> that's a trip yeah. did the insurance cover that i don't know <laughs> i don't think so i wonder, yeah. I wonder. probably not they don't cover stuff like that although we'd <laughs> I'm giving too much away. If anyone knows the uh, farmer's insurance, 
ads. They do stuff like that. Like it's like the most insane situation. Like we cover that. My dad could have been a commercial for one of those ads. I'm sure of it. After something like that going on, mm -hmm. that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, I was down there in uh, Pennsylvania when the uh, Sandy Storm hit, and that's where we had like it was like a perfect storm. We had mm -hmm. along the coastline coming from the south florida area we had a storm coming up from bermuda kind of and then we had another we had a nor'easter that was coming down from uh like canada down that direction and then we had another one that was coming across the united states going towards the east and all three of these met up and made uh, a huge uh it was just an amazing storm and and when I was uh, that's when I was literally a, um, a live in caregiver and I was taking care of a, an elderly couple that were they were what, 80, 87 and 89. And I had just gotten there and taken over for the person that um, had covered for me for three days. And then the storm comes in and hits. And it knocked the power out. It literally sheared off a bunch of uh, trees, power line, power poles, and it would it ripped the power right out of houses. You know, because when the telephone pole went, it just ripped all the uh, the lines right out the well that were connected to the house. Mm -hmm. Anyways, yeah, it was. Uh, we went for ten days without power. Wow. And during that, that time, power. yeah, during that time, we had a, a generator delivered, a barbecue, and a few other things, and and uh, it, it was it was kind of like camping inside the house, you know. <clears throat> that that ten days makes uh, a situation we had uh, like well, literally three times worse. But we, uh, I don't remember, forget what year and it was. was maybe like, it was snow, and there was a foot of snow outside, too. I want to say maybe it was like, nine. it was either 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, in that kind of range, between 99 and 2002, where we're at, we had a crazy 4th of July storm on 4th of July, and I knocked, did the same thing, it knocked off all the lines out and everyone was without power for like four days, three, four days. Some people were probably out more than that, but we got our power back three, four days. I think maybe some people were more than 10 days without electricity, but one of those totally unpredicted weatherman didn't say shit, you know, type situations. That was a totally destructive storm. And yeah. I've seen a lot of it too. Like when I lived in Colorado Springs, I've never seen more hail in my entire life. Like two and a half inches of hail that comes down like in a seven to 15 minute time frame. Yeah, like that's it's really complete, weird. Completely blue sky during monsoon season. When mon the, the, this time right now, when monsoon season hits, you have totally blue skies up until about noon, 1230. 
and then more so more so towards the beginning of monsoon season towards later but it, it usually introduces itself in the form of hail and like once a week or a couple times a week it just comes down like that like colorado springs and other places have to be among the highest in, uh insurance for a hailstorm and shit like that yeah, in Oregon, we had we had tons of hail all the time up in Portland, Oregon. Just come out of nowhere. And, uh, boy, that didn't take long to cool the house down. I actually had the uh, the water going in the pump. <laughs> it got super cold in here real quick. Uh-oh, what happened there? Did I lose everybody? No, All right, Red Pill, what'd you do? just walked away. All right. <laughs> yeah, it got really cold there for a second. I had to go shut that thing down. That didn't take long at all. It's 77. So yeah, it's 77 degrees in here right now. Yeah, it didn't take long at all for us to drop that, that tent. Yeah, when it's uh, at night, it's, it's a lot cooler at night, you know, so it doesn't take long for the... Uh, the air to cool it down but i had the water flowing too so it had the uh, it was literally cooling the air as it was blowing in you know made it a lot stronger i've never used one i've seen one in use yeah you know uh tau the american one being in new york he I'm sure he has some stories about that sandy storm because it literally ripped up the uh, the New York shore and the Jersey shore. I mean, it, it just, it took it away. <laughs> Eroded the whole beach. That would have been an awesome time to go down there and do some uh, metal detecting. Find stuff, some old stuff. Yeah, you know, that reminded me of... Uh... This, I've seen this video, it kind of went around virally, and I don't know how much research went into it, you know, like from people that were seriously inquisitive, but if people remember that, I think 2004 tsunami, when that happened. Indonesia? Yeah, a lot of people, like fucking 300,000 people. Well, it, it washed away part of a mountain. Yeah. Uh, it also washed up like tens of species of aquatic animals that have never even been seen or documented. So that, that's kind of what you said. Washed them up offshore, you mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like weird oh. ass, like the weirdest looking, like sea monster, Loch Ness monster type shit that you've seen. Like, like well, weird creatures that, you know, they're in the ocean and they're, they're, in a part of the ocean that's totally undisturbed except for that event that literally washed yeah. much yeah that was that was a freaky event i remember when that happened i was listening to the uh, the after dark show with george nori and they I literally announced, coast to coast yeah coast to coast and and they announced it on there 
And I told people at, at work, because I worked in a, a, a warehouse and we did the graveyard shift, you know? So it was, shoot, one o'clock in the morning or close to that, you know, 12, something like that. That's when I got the news and I told people, yeah, there's a tsunami that just happened, you know? And, and everybody thought I was full of shit. And when they found out the next day, it was, they were surprised that I was able to get that news to them. But they were always yes, uh, to know <laughs> if uh, Red Pill extracts his own turds. Uh, not not currently, but uh, ideally, it could have a setup like that. I have had distillation setups that I use to recover alcohol from doing. Uh, it's a simple distillation setup. It's very crude compared to like a rotovap or other more sophisticated scientific things but i would just use it to, diy it's yeah it's diy but my whole thing was when i used to de-wax with alcohol my whole thing was how do you get rid of the alcohol without decarboxylating i i, I still wanted shatter when i was de-waxing so i had to devise a scheme how to recover alcohol well, the recovering the alcohol was a beneficial thing, but what, my whole thing was getting rid of the solvent without having to boil it. Cause you know, alcohol, it's 173 degrees uh, where it evaporates. And if you're just letting a, a solvent extracted, you know, solution sit there and bubble away at 173 degrees, depending on how, how much alcohol you have there if it takes two three hours and you just decarboxylated all your damn thc it's never going to be shattered yeah that makes sense <clears throat> so with the simple distillation setup i had it set up and it takes too long it takes like seven hours to to redistill like 150 milliliters of ethanol so it it's not as effective as a roto uh vap or a uh, rotary evaporation setup. And those cost anywhere, unless they got cheaper since I live, they cost anywhere starting from 750 to $900 and then up for a one liter uh, setup. And one liter, when you do roto evaporation, one liter technically means 500 milliliters because with boiling flasks and distillation, you only fill them up to 50% capacity. But... Uh, what no, is I, the, I, I, what's, the well, homogen, what's what's the homogenizer in that kind of um, process? Did you say homogenized? A, yeah, a homogenizer. It, it it's it separates shit. It's a well. The, it's one the of those two things you might either think of as like it might be another name for a, a magnetic stir plate. That's what you mean. Yeah. Or, or it's a separatory flask or funnel. That's where it's like a funnel thing and phases of things that are in separate densities, they'll separate and you'll I have think, a bottom or a top layer and then you can drain off the bottom yeah, and separate. I, I, I think it's kind of something like that because it's supposed to be for separations of yeah. different stuff. But uh, I put, I put no, it on one of those. Other than just straight up BHO extraction, I haven't ever done like a steam distillation exclusively just to pull off turps. 
but I've manipulated BHO extractions to be better formulated for just pulling the terps or the lighter fractions. That's where the single solvent dewaxing comes into play because you're not doing an ethanol dewaxing. You're just using the BHO to begin with. And that's why I said, uh, if you're in a setup and you can get liquid nitrogen and you can literally go right up to a plant that's like, okay, this plant's ready to come down and you just take it down and buck off the nugs or take the, you know, clip the nugs off the stem and the leaves off the nugs and then liquid nitrogen freeze them and then put that in a extraction setup, closed loop or open if you have to have it that way. But closed loop, obviously, preface, uh, you know, safety wise. Uh, yeah, then you're extracting. If you also have cold solvent, don't do that because you'll actually ruin it if you have like room temp if you have a if you have butane coming out pressurized in the gas form doesn't matter that you had uh liquid nitrogen frozen live buds because the solvent that you're using is warming up those whatever ice cold nugs that you went through the uh you went through the trouble of freezing with nitrogen so you want to have cold solvent and cold material cold tubes and everything else. And then you're pretty much going to come out with the most terpiest. It's going to, you're going to be pulling off mostly all terpenes. And the next most thing you're going to be pulling off is cannabinoids. And then everything else is less and less through there from like fats and waxes and lipids and all that bullshit. So is that how you, is that how you make uh, shatter? stuff like that that, that wouldn't come out as shatter because now that you, even though you do you don't what have would be the end product of that what with this because you don't have the problem like i said with accidentally boiling away uh or decarboxylating while you're boiling away ethanol this is kind of the opposite to where you're you're conserving every bit of thca that was still there but because the function of that process is pulling off such a heavy terpene uh, fraction, now you're ending up with kind of more like that saucy, more liquidy stuff. That would be your kind of the sauce thing or it kind of moves if you tilt the jar or it's in that like wet applesauce kind right, of texture. Right. But the yeah, beauty I, of that is it's not decarboxylated. All Every bit of THC that's there is in the form of THCA. And then you just have terpenes that are basically liquefying it. So that that's the stuff that you wanna use for like the sauce pens or the live resin cartridges and that kind of shit. Cause you don't have okay. to dilute it with any uh, cut that would just be pure. Yeah, it's right. pure. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That'd be a strong hit. <laughs> it's pretty good yeah it's overpriced yeah. for and it, i haven't seen it in a thing that makes any sense to buy and you know maybe recreational level but medical level yeah there's no sense in buying 50 dollars, 70 dollars cartridges just to, to vape live resin but so if i'm making rso um how would i retain my alcohol instead of <clears throat> um the most economical way I, i've seen now is to get those uh, i think they're called 
Someone help me. Source, source extraction, source machines. Source it's extraction. A little, is that it's a little dealy. It's like a platform that heats up and it's got a lid that encloses it. And the top of the lid, you put like ice or ice water on, and then it boils off the alcohol. So your little flask that you had your like RSO in, uh, as it boils away, it's just going to leave the RSO and has like a little dish that sits over that flask. So when the ethanol or the alcohol boils away, it hits that ice top to the container and then it condenses and drips down into this little uh, cup that sits above your RSO. So, or if you wanna do like what I said, get a simple, simple distillation set up, which if you're patient and it doesn't matter to you how long the process takes, you can pretty much recover 90% or more of the ethanol you use. Or if you have uh, the wallet for it, then just get a RotoVap. That's 759 investment. But that's I don't have that kind of money. Yeah, well, that, that's how they do it in the lab. And then, like I said, it's step down. You want to take one step down, get a simple distillation set. That's like around $150, $200. And I, I don't know what that source extraction machine is Nowadays, maybe you can get a used one or maybe some, there's got to, there's hundred people listening right now. There's got to be at least one person that owns one already. So it's kind of like a magic butter machine. You know, they, yeah, yeah. so yeah, they, they have a easy, whatever tabletop or whatever, a, a plug and play version of a way to recover ethanol through doing RSO. That's one of the reasons why I haven't done my RSO yet is because I don't want to just boil that away. You mm -hmm. know, I want to, I want to try to reclaim it more or less. But, yeah. um, so if I reclaim it, I could reuse it again to do the same thing. I suppose you could do it a, a few times and then it wouldn't be good anymore. Um, or what? No, you're just going to get less and less of a return each time. So like say, your first okay. time you recover it, you pull off like maybe 95% of what you used. And then that second time, it's like 90%. The third time, it's like 70%. But even though okay. your yield of distillation is lower and lower each time you use it, you're still pulling off that 95% ethanol. Exactly. What, what, what comes over is always the same purity. You just get less of it because it's lost to the air. You know, if you don't have a, a totally enclosed set up then there's always going to be a little bit lost to the atmosphere well i definitely want to uh get that information from you on how to do one of those diys because i want to do that mm -hmm. just you know doing one of those uh, reclaim yeah reclaim machines however you what you were saying you made one it takes a long time for it to do it uh, I just bought like this, the lab, you know, the lab gear that's goes by the simple distillation. It's boiling flask, a, uh, a arm that attaches, you know, that transfers a boiling flask to the condensing column, the condensing okay. column, same type of elbow type contraption that takes the condensing column into the, uh, collective flask your distillate flask so it's like okay okay here's four, here's a question like four pieces of glass where would you where would you find 
that kind of stuff used? Uh, used? Uh, literally, there is like sign. I, I don't know. They, here, the, there literally was like, I don't know how to call it a hobby store, but it's more like okay. a scientific type hobby store, right? And they got all that. They got discount used glassware and that stuff. And that's and stores like that. Literally, that's where we would go to get the setup if we didn't want to order it online or if we broke a piece that we ordered online and we have to get piece, you know, right away. Right. I don't know. We found them. It's, it's like a hobby shop. I don't know. I'm say like Hobby Lobby or whatever like that. But I don't know. There, we found places where they have scientific glass. And it's like a place where people are going in there to buy, you know, God knows what, like microscopes and shit. They, they have that, you know, like people now are using yeah. like, look at their slides. And yeah. just I would like, think uh, a university, when they go to replace a bunch of stuff, they would get rid of stuff like that. I would they think, could do that. Right? Dumpster dive at a university. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dumpster diving at the university. I, I think they just you know throw what? that away. Yeah, now it's snapping into me. I I can recall Eagle saying that he didn't take advantage of the tip that you let him on about super sale and stuff. So if you're resourceful for that, you're gonna eventually find what I'm talking about. You're gonna find uh whatever wholesale well, glass or resale. Yeah, you're giving or me ideas where to look. You know. Yeah. Give me ideas. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. Now a lot Fine. of stuff they got is like super basic, like just little flasks and like graduated cylinders and that kind of shit. But if you know, they got more technical lab glassware stuff too. But yeah, you can piece together uh, a distillation setup and then pretty pretty easily. Like I said, if you're not using a vacuum, <laughs> it takes a little bit longer. It's a lot slower process to recover all your ethanol, but you'll get a little bit of it. Or now a vacuum, a vacuum is just, uh, I wonder if I couldn't do something else. But you, could, you could find a cheap used vacuum too that maybe someone's like, oh, I didn't ever replace the vacuum pump here, buy it from me. And you just replace the vacuum pump and you have a perfectly good working vacuum. Then yeah, you can vacuum distill the ethanol and it comes off even faster and at a lower temperature. That's how the rotovap works. The only difference is the rotovap is it's spinning that boiling flask because the way it works is it's constantly moving around that boiling flask. So like every surface of that of the container, you know, it's just not like a static cauldron or whatever boiling. It's moving around. So it's turning right. and spinning. The whole, it's it has even, that magnetic thing at the bottom that's spinning everything. It, it, it spins and it gets an even temperature because uh, though you though it doesn't look like it, if you got thermal imaging and you looked at a static boiling flask that's not moving, you would be able to see temperature gradients from the top of the flask to the bottom where it's closer to the heating element. Whereas right. a, a rotary evaporation, it gets rid of that because it's spinning the flask in a bath a double boiler, boiling water or whatever temperature you heat it up to. You could, they actually use mineral oil or baby oil. If it needs to be something that boils over 212 degrees, they'll throw mineral oil in there because you can hit, heat mineral oil up to like even past the temperature that 
glass would crack under high temperatures of heating. But they do that to recover a whole bunch of other different stuff that doesn't relate to anything we're talking about. But it's a doubler boiler thing and a roto evaporation thing. So you can heat up water to like, and, and because it's under a vacuum, you can heat it up to like around, a lot of people do about 105 degrees Fahrenheit because under a vacuum, like at normal atmospheric pressure, the alcohol needs to be 173 degrees to evaporate and condense. So under a vacuum, you can even lower the temperature. So now you're evaporating it and you're way beneath the temperatures that would cause decarboxylation because you're uh, recovering alcohol at like 105 degrees. It's not yeah, much that, and that, Yeah, that's and that's really good because decarboxylation, you have to start it. I mean, you're getting up to the 130s, the 150s yeah. Yeah. when it starts yeah. doing that. So that's how I did it. That's how the very first processes of me making true shatter, like I would say de-waxed shatter. Well, I, I wanted to send out a thank you to Sorrel, Sorrel Howe, because he sent me some information just now on how to find some uh, some stuff that I was just talking about with you. Cool. <laughs> yeah, right on. So, I'm, all for, yeah. I'm all for people getting bubble bags and drive sift screens and distillation setups and closed loop extractions. I, I'm not, I don't have any preference at all for hashes and extracts and anything like that. Well, I, I'm excited about doing just about everything I can with the herb that I'm growing. So it's, it's all new experimenting for me. Mm. Good stuff. That's like this, uh, the sand stuff over here. I can't believe our, I got a, a bean to pop out in the, uh, in the old uh, outside sand first. That blows me away, you know? <clears throat> I think it's time for another hit. What do you think? Yeah, I do too. I'm going to use the potty and we'll come back and torch up. Go. Go. Everybody get your rigs ready. Let's do some burning. You gonna join us, Eagle? Or are you just working too hard over there? <laughs> there we go. I'm over here, Trevor. Oh yeah, that's good. That's that's it. So what are you cutting on tonight, Eagle? What you trimming up? Is that the uh, the gorilla barbecue gorilla? Is that what you're doing? Yep, yep. I didn't get to it last night. Brain around and shit all day. I got a full day tomorrow. Yeah, you can't help yourself when it's nice outside, right? It's hard to. Uh, Stay inside. Uh, yeah. Plus, I think I'm gonna start putting the garden a little bit more in front of shit. So, trying to get her no mind up. In, yeah, no <laughs> sense in being that camera talking shit when there's work to be done. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. <clears throat> 
<coughs> yeah, I'll be taking this one here down. Uh, this Puckerberry knockout. I'll be taking this one down tomorrow too. She's ready. She bulked up for an extra week and a half, two weeks. And uh, she got nice and thick. A bunch of extra sprouts coming out of it. Super smelly and sticky. Loving it. You know, I dropped a I dropped a bud off over at my neighbor's house to let him smoke it, try it out and sample it and give me an idea of what he thinks of it. <laughs> and he came back and he said, how come it's not like the dispensary bud? And, and I looked at him and I said, what do you mean a dispensary bud? And he goes, well, it's not super dense and hard and, 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 and this and that. And I says, well, it's, it's, uh, it's the way the bud grows, you know? I, I think uh, maybe they're using extra, I don't know, nutrients or something to cause that to happen. But I, I just laughed and I says, well, I'm not growing for a dispensary. I'm growing for myself. And I says, I don't have a problem with any of the weed that I smoke or grow. So <laughs> I kind of laughed at him. Everybody thinks it should be a, the weed should be a certain way or something. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of strange. I appreciate all the weed, you know? That's good stuff. Just got a seed out of one of my out of one of my buds that I didn't get any any beans out of. <clears throat> Yeah, so I probably won't be uh, probably won't be sharing any of my smoke with him anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I got uh, I got two plants coming down tomorrow. That'll be good. So. You say I should hose that thing off before I bring it in? Because I've got a container inside here that, that I wash my my plant off with. Dunk it down inside of it, you know, do the dip in the RO water. Well, this is where I would say I have literally no experience with, and it's your climate, so you're, I, I, you're going you're gonna to have to big boy it and figure out the best way to do it because I have no idea how to handle that situation. Yeah. I haven't ever had I've only grown outdoor weed in Wisconsin and it's hot and humid in the summer. We don't have dirt and dust flying around. So yeah. It was yeah, it was definitely dusty weed. 
<coughs> so I guess I guess I'll agitate it a little bit vigorously inside of that container. See if that doesn't do it. I mean, I, the way I would do it is literally just like a shake, like just shake it dry, like dunk it, just shake it, and then not, not agitate, not doing no damn butter. Oh, no, I'm not, no, I'm not talking about doing that. When well, I'm, I'm talking about agitating, I'm talking about going in and up and down. When it comes to those things, I'm as delicate as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I know I got dirt on there and I want to wash it off. I don't want to smoke that. That's why I said if you if you could find a uh, like a gentle sprayer, that's just the way I would do it. As I'm cutting it down, I'll just you know spray it down yeah. if you have something that's like gentle and that you know you don't want to use high pressure like it's gonna oh no 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 yeah yeah yeah. But yeah. for some reason spray. I feel more safer than spraying than dunking. I, Why I is that? Because I've, I've never done either one of them, and I feel like <laughs> the spraying is something that is quicker to dry and is less. Uh, what is that? Well, I know you'd be worried about mold. Well, it's not even that. It's just how much is is there any sponge effect to just slowly dunking a plant in water? Does it like sit there and go? <laughs> you know, straw it up like that. So that's why I would think that spraying it and shaking it off lightly is better and would be do the same. It would be just as effective as it's like the same as thing, like with a shower and a bath. I used to think that, you know, a bath wasn't that bad. And you'd be like, you're dirty. You're just sitting in your fucking dirt bath. You got to take right? a shower. That's cleaner. So now I'm thinking that same mentality, like is dunking it? Sure, that washes the, the the dirt off, but does spraying it, you know, does shower? What oh, works I better, what a saying. bath or a shower? Spraying it, spraying, maybe spraying it off first might be a better way to go. Yeah. Because, yeah, because I am going to do a dunk, though, because uh, I saw Mystic Grower doing that, and she does that on all of her oak, and, uh, and she's never had an issue with it. Not only that, it, it kind of cleans it up a little bit. Now, uh, I do have people in my family that if I were growing their medicine, they've had problems, uh -huh. they have certain respiratory issues. Uh, that's their number one ailment. But they still like to use uh, cannabis. And it's yeah. funny because they don't mind smoking it. So it's like... Well, there's something that the number one reason why you need to medicate is because of your lungs, but you're still smoking it. And, that, and you know, that we're, seems we're, like we're, they'd be more into the edibles. Where they're at, they can kind of get away with it. And then they've came here to the States. This is a cousin of mine in Europe. He's came here oh, to the States yeah. on vacation and he's smoked Mexican brickweed that someone thought it would be a good idea to give him. Right. In the same time where I had my own homegrown stuff and I was trying to convince them, like, you know, there's microbial fucking shit, you, you know, my weed's safer than any weed that you can find. You got to 
if you're gonna smoke anyone's weed, it's gotta be mine because mine has the fewest amount of microbes on it. Well, he smoked oh, brickweed and he ended up getting aspergillus in his Ooh. lung. Right. So it's kind of like that too. Like if I were growing that person's medicine, I would be washing the buds. And yes. I'll figure out the best way to wash the buds. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I agree. I think it, it, it there's a there's a reason for it. Yeah. Maybe it's not just for you to get the contaminant from the air off of it, but like I said, actual making it a safer, less contaminated product. That totally because makes I, sense. I, I do. I literally have known people like there's like there's obviously people that know better than to just have moldy weed. And then there's the people that are like, no, it's a whole nother health concern if you smoke moldy weed. And then, you know, they're like, eh, you know, I probably smoke some pretty bad fucking brick weed, my dad. I'm fine. Well, that's not everyone's situation. Like I said, my, my cousin smoked bad weed and got a microbial infection in the lung. All right. So. And that's dangerous if you got issues in that kind of a situation, your lung situation. Yeah, yeah. You know? Cystic fibrosis. So, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. You want to get stuff like that going on. <laughs> I, 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 I told them that, like, the safest way that you can do it is, like I said, me, there's a whole other thing because it's, there's a whole other, you want to nitpick every little thing. There's, of course, there's certain kind of microbes growing out of my weed. Okay. But my whole thing was like, my weed vaporized, like conventional vaporized, like how Jack Greenstock has that old school setup. Yeah, yeah. My, my buddy's cousin that has a silver surfer vaporizer or even a, a volcano vaporizer like that. If he were to use that method with my weed, there would have been like no chance of him getting an infection, but he would have had all the therapeutic benefits from it. So... And, you know, that's weird to me that you can actually vape flour. I mean, I don't, I can't even, that doesn't, it has to burn somehow, right? Well, the result <laughs> is what they all called ABV, already been vaped, right? And actually, it's funny because that, I feel like, is one of the most effective form. Uh, you know, uh, methods of decarboxylation for edibles better than almost trying to overthink it and then decarboxylate it on purpose. The, the, the non-purposeful effect of vaping the weed and then being left over with, like I said, it's not burnt, it's not uh, whatever, uh, uh, incarcerated or what, not incarcerated, what the fuck, the combusted. Why did I think incarcerated was combusted? Not incinerated. Incinerated, combusted, yeah. So your result is basically just, you took all the THC and turned it, or THCA turned it into THC. It's decarboxylated. You maybe even put a little reaction into the process of converting THC to CBN. But So does it just kind of heat it up to a certain temperature? It doesn't really... It doesn't really burn it. Yep, 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 yep. 
and it, because okay. it uses the air, it's whatever that convective, right? I think convection. Okay. Convection. Yeah. Uh, and this, Johnny, we, we talk about R RSO a lot. If you want to make blends of RSO, doing that cold process that we talked about, and then doing a, process, a cold process on this ABV, already been vaped, and then combining the two, that would make some fucking devastating RSO because you'd have super full spectrum. You'd have everything from CBG to THCA to THC to CBN, like every cannabinoid from the process of the, you know, the fresh non-decarboxylated weed to the fully decarboxylated weed would be present in there. And then when any of the contaminants of like chlorophyll or uh, plant fats or lipids or waxes or anything like that. So it sounds like I need to get me a, a vape machine that that does the flower. Sure. So that I yeah. it's so a it's a recyclable process. process. There's no waste in it. The only waste is medicine that you can more medicine that you can make. And now I'm thinking right. back to uh, the I didn't catch the original one, but the replay of uh, Brown Guy 420s episode. How he's formulating different cannabinoid, you know, ratios to do certain different things. Yeah, you're going to make really, really effective RSO for a lot of stuff. Like the stuff that makes people feel like they overdosed if they take like a thousand milligrams or 1500 milligrams, it's going to be that strong. It's going to be like LSD level RSO. Wow. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. got, got my little... Got my little uh, wheels turning inside my head. A couple of hamsters are busy right now getting some stuff together. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely, that sounds, uh, another thing that I need to acquire to utilize in my Felix's bag of tricks. <clears throat> You know, that's, uh, I'm, I get satisfied, you know, when you see me dab the, the abundance that I do, it's because I'm not doing what we're talking about. I'm not coming at it from multiple angles. If I could do a bunch of different stuff, like I said, I would make a proprietary blend of RSO or capsules. And I would have for flavor, for flavor Townville, I would have you know, my couple of my favorite varieties in live resin form to dab on low temperature and just get a mouthful of flavor, right? Then I would have varieties that I grow for the, the I, I guess it would start off as a hobby until it's more like proven over time. But uh, the fun in having a project and trying to breed a, a hash plant, right? Just to, I'm going to start off with whatever gene pool and selectively breed from it the best plants for dry sift hash. I turn that dry sift hash and some like, you know, pressed or, you know, Frenchy temple ball type hash. So then I got some hash to smoke on, live resin to dab on, capsules and tinctures to do. And then, uh, like I said, just the nostalgic and the social effect that I think 
that really, what I think the, the best benefit of bag, of, uh, bag appeal, for my sake at least, would be the social effect of it. And the people that are outside of me and you and Eagle and everyone listening right now, we can all probably hang, you know, if we're doing dabs or smoking blunts or, you know, doing edibles together, we more or less all have the same tolerance, especially if we're using it for medicine. But a yeah. lot of people in my social circle, they're not, they're, they're, they're not you know, there. They're low tolerance and they're maybe just only using it for recreation or, uh, 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 the, the unconscious medical benefits that they're getting regardless of what their intentions were of using it, you know, because as soon as THC is in your system, it has therapeutic benefits regardless if you're just trying to get stoned or high off of it, right? But a lot of my friends and family, if I grow the weed that I like and what I would try and impress all you guys with, it would mm-hmm. floor they can't smoke it. They take one hit, a half a hit, they smell it in the air and they pass out, right? They can't tolerate it. So what I want for them is really pretty, colorful, high bag appeal, not necessarily low THC, but just low cannabinoids altogether, right? Something that I can right, roll right. up and we can all smoke whole joint and then have the thrill like, of, hey, look at this weed. Look how pretty it looks. And we're going to roll it up and we're going to smoke it. Dispensary weed. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I just need to get Gelato 41 in my life. I'd be happy. No, yeah. but no, I want to selectively breed that. And like I said, hashy strains and the the more stuff that I would turn into live resin is work that our people already did with like, a, if I could have like an Apollo or a genius or a vortex that'd be like my daytime sativa awake weed and then my uh knockout or tapering off or nighttime weed would be like a uh kosher kush or like a pure kush type strain more more heavy you know uh hard-hitting weed you know, like that. Yeah. More of a heady weed. <clears throat> More of the stuff that makes you want to lay down after you take a hit out of it. Yeah. I've got a couple. I've got a couple like that that I have that make me want to do that. Yeah. Which is nice. Sorry about that. I had a major yawn right there. I'm going to take another hit right here. Yeah, I need, I need, uh, it, it would be cool if I had somebody to bounce stuff off of around me to experiment with, you know, do different projects. Like, it, it seems like if you have a, uh, somebody working on something along with you and in projects you could have something in another situ another area over here going you know two different things going on it would be Mm -hmm. more just seems like it'd be more beneficial you'd be able to get more stuff done well that's how i always think about dividing it up and like uh 
future setup sake is there will be what I call just a devoted, I guess you can call it the med medical stuff, but just my own supply to lead me to the next round, you know? And then yeah. that's where we get in a whole legality thing like, oh, how, how bad is a plant count or this and that? How big can your garden be? Because I do, thankfully, if I really needed to, I could set up a grow to have the most optimal, heaviest yield off of a plant, right? And have the lowest plant count. And then right. in the side, dedicate the rest of my allowing plant count to be towards testing and uh, breeding, right? So if I have to, for if I get forced into that thing where like I'm limited and I can only grow like 12 plants, then uh, shit want to at least do a pheno hunt of 10 plants so i'm gonna have to find like a, a five by ten or a four by eight and set that up to grow the two biggest heaviest fattest yielding plants under there and then that rest of the 10 plant count that i have i would you know do for breeding so that's right. kind of like what you're saying is it, it would help if you had a team of people doing that because then you can have the like a satellite location where you could actually have something completely different, you know, happen. We could all grow whatever, two plants, so we can get by it to the next harvest, but then we can all grow, you know, more plants for testing and doing larger okay. phenomena. Okay. Kind of like a, a science co-op? <laughs> well, I would just think of as getting around the the only other situation that you'd have to be in to do like 10,000 seed runs you know either yeah. have to either be growing hemp or be commercially set up to where someone's allowing you to do testing and development you know or re research and development on new varieties and they have enough canopy space to sacrifice the kind of like thing like they can flood the market with like say eighty thousand square feet of canopy but their license says they can have uh Hundred thousand. So now they can dedicate like twenty thousand square feet of canopy to research and development. And that kind of right. setup. Yeah, I always enjoyed science when I was uh, in school doing those little projects and doing all that shit. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I got much out of it, but it was fun. I felt like I was you know, playing, playing stuff, you know, playing games when I was in there doing shit. Can I have my mind work? It was actually a class that you could look forward to. Yeah, it was something where I was actually able to step outside of the box and do different things. That was not something coming right out of a book or out of a teacher's mind, you know? Mm -hmm. It was something that I could actually react to and react with, which was, that's why I liked football because I got to uh, bounce a lot of people around. <laughs> yeah. I just reflected those the time that I did play sports. It was just more, like I said, it's a social thing. 
wasn't uh, uh, gratification. There's sometimes, you know, you get gratification for doing good, but it wasn't like that. I didn't, I wasn't athletically talented to where there's like a scholarship in my future, that kind of thing, you know? Oh, there was no scholarship in my future, but I just played like I was, uh, like, like it was the last game there was ever going to be, you know? So I played mm-hmm. every once of the 110%. enjoyed that competitive i i was i was very competitive as as a child i think i i think it helps you to develop different uh points of view i was never satisfied being out the asshole in me that's why I don't it. fucking I choose to not to compete at shit anymore because it does it strictly brings the ass all out of me. Once money love or competition are in the mix, convict can forget it. All bets are off. Yeah, if you're putting money involved in there, it always messes shit up. But whenever I was in in wrestling and stuff when I was younger. Even though I beat the hell out of the guy on the on the on the mat in wrestling, I'd always reach out and give him a, a hand up, thank him for wrestling, you know, because <laughs> it was a it was a sportsman kind of a thing, you know. So it was always uh, I always looked at every time that I wrestled as a growing experience for me to learn something different. So I was taking more out of my my wrestling and stuff like that than uh the other kids were i think i was using them to learn by more or less they were cool the the only sport i competed in was uh basketball and uh it ended up being a thing where the first year that i got into it was uh was pretty fun we didn't do good at all at we didn't do good at all in the regular season but the way that the playoffs were set up is it was round robin so you didn't have to uh you didn't have to have like a winning uh whatever uh, uh a winning record to get into the playoffs every team got in the playoffs and it was a single elimination out well anywho in this time of uh in life, uh, my dad still owned a bar, and this is Wisconsin, so somehow it was like okay that eh, postseason, you know, like celebration, you know, like my, my dad rented out the bar, and all the ad- adults brought the kids to the to my dad's bar, and we had whatever a, a basketball team celebration party after that. Well, I didn't know this at the time, but all the other teams and like other kids that I went to school with. And like I said, this was like small teams, like eight to 10 kids per team. And it was spread across a couple different uh, schools in middle school, like three or four different schools, excuse me. Uh, So like, you know, like you would go to school with people, but you were all on different teams, like three, four kids were on one team, three, four kids 
another team. Well, through that first season and the second season, people figured out that we had the best team and like the best coach and like the happiest atmosphere and the best practices and that. And I didn't know that all the other teams were getting like basically abused and yelled at. It wasn't as fun as it was on our team. So I played two seasons and I forget what happened. My dad like tried to discipline me for doing something. I think I got into trouble and my dad like, you know, didn't let me play a, a third year, which would have been our eighth grade year. Well, that year, like everyone had had, a, had it with the teams that they were on. So like all my friends ended up <laughs> moving on to the team that I was on. And it was like a super team like how NBA teams are now, or there's like three all-stars on one starting lineup. Somehow, the dream team. Yeah. My, our, our team became that. And the league, the team I, or the year I didn't play, our team went to uh, the championship and won. So <laughs> I missed out on that, but I just thought it was funny that I, I was a part of a team that like had such fun that, it made other people quit the team that they were on to join ours. And then our team became like the, the best team. And then, and then like I said, that was eighth grade year. And then we all went to high school and then uh, I, I could go on with more stories. Uh, fuck it. Post, you know, fast forward four years in the senior year, this basketball group that I uh, grew up with were really good. Our high school was dope. Our, our graduating year, we went to state. We lost state and now same group of friends. Now in eighth grade, we weren't weed smoking. Twelfth grade, we were weed smoking. One of my best friends that was, you know, one of my best friends that we smoked with that was on the team before he hopped on the bus and went to play that state game. We were on lunch break or skipping class to go to the location that we went to to smoke weed, right? getting blunted out of her mind like smoking like six seven eight blunts in a circle of like five or six people and then later on he goes on to get on the bus to go play the state game and then we lose and I feel like responsible because I'm sitting with this kid as he gets high blown out of his mind and I'm watching it we're back home watching him on state you know play the state game on tv and people are passing him the ball and it's just going right past me like, huh? You know, like, oh, <laughs> and then they're like, dude, we, we lost state because oh, man. God, this kid's so high. <laughs> you getting hit in the face with the ball. It's like, dude, you didn't see it? No. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> this fuck came out of nowhere, man. <laughs> Uh, and I just could imagine that how pissed off they were at. Like, man, you were fucking smoking weed instead of, you know, focusing on the game. <laughs> that kind of shit. That's classic. Oh. That's a good one. That's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, I used to get high before my games, and it made me, uh, it made me zone in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I used to enjoy doing that. <sighs> Good times. That's that's yeah. part of like that. I need to write. That's going down in the book I write for memoirs. Yeah, that's um, a good one. That's that's I a like that. 
I'll write a more uh, adjectative, you know, you know, story well, when it comes to the fact that you were able to go back and look at this video of it and see his reaction of that of the actual oh, situation. It's definitely documented. Yeah, I could say the year. I could say it's what say the state. Yeah, sure, but I'm not gonna leave. No, no, I'm not gonna no, leave that big I'm of saying, a trail. But, no, yeah, it's definitely documented. It's cool that you were able to go back and see it yourself and say, oh, shit. Mm. Well, it's even worse because that's, I mean, it is documented. I'm sure someone does have a video of that or it is on YouTube or something like, ooh. Yeah, don't throw yourself under the bus. I'm not saying that. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not that. I'm talking about like the actual embarrassment or like, I, I don't know. I'm. How many of us that have popped in the wormhole go back and listen to all the wormholes that we were on and like try to listen to ourselves talking like, oh God, that sounds, can't believe I fucking said that, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that's what it would dredge up. It'd be like, whoops, like said, like how I felt that day. Like we lost state because I got this kid too high. Like I would relive, go down memory lane and feel that same way. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, none of the teams that I was on were were good enough to do anything worthwhile. Too many mismatched kids, not thinking the same direction. I have to come up with a team that actually works. I I didn't sign up for high school wrestling based on the the line of people that were signing up for high school wrestling freshman year, and I was looking at them like. A lot of these kids already annoy the shit out of me. I cannot sign up and do a team with these people and be stuck with them now. And have to deal with them face to face. Yeah, fuck. That. Hindsight wise, I I regret it because like oh that would have been a perfect opportunity. You know, you got to right? put people in, in each other's places. Like it would have been the the opportunity. Like I'm annoyed with this person. I don't like the way they act. I don't like the way they treat me. I like the things they say if we're in the same weight class, you know, and then that's a perfect chance to go up against one another. Right. Right. I didn't think of it back then. I didn't want to deal with it just because I just was, I was turned off with, with the, you know, the atmosphere, the persona that these loudmouth people had. So I was like, Oh, it's too much of a turnoff. I can't deal with this person in a stretched out time frame that it was like, I can only, take five minutes with this person before I'm annoyed. I can't sign up for something where I'm going to be practicing and doing stuff, you know, two, four, you know, you know multiple hours with those whole thing. The mindset I was in, like too annoyed to deal with this person. I'm out. You but know, then again, really... if, if you'd have done that, you probably would have uh, turned that person from a foe to a friend possibly, you know, either that or just got more pissed off and like, in the middle of wrestling to start fighting each other. <laughs> yeah. That's my mindset. Like, we're not going to just wrestle. We're going to start punching each other at some point. Yeah. If you knew where to look. If you knew where to look. I'm not even, even going to give any clues. You could actually find in some, a bunch of papers for wrestling. I was actually really good. I played some pretty good football. 
to, but they they could they coincide with each other, and you can only keep that up for so long. Yeah, before you have to choose one or the other, wrestling one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I uh, I use the wrestling as a an extra workout tool for my football. Now I definitely continued with the powerlifting. That didn't stop because that came along with it. You had like access to the to the weight. To the weight. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I continued on with that. I, I did like that. And there was, this, that is part of it. You don't have to wrestle. There was actual powerlifting, whatever, sport or. A class or something. Yeah, a class, could... you know, that, a, a thing to compete in. That should have been my avenue because I did like that. I used that whatever that leg machine is where you do the leg extends, you know, straight forward, sitting and push that fucking thing. That was maxed yeah. out to that fucking 250 pound stack, the, the whole stack. I was doing like eight to 10 reps. I don't know why, but I really got strong legs in high school. That was the easiest weight machine to manipulate. That was fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at this one school that I went to in high school, we actually had a trampoline, and uh, they let us go in there and and uh, mess around on it from time to time. It scared the shit out of me. I got so freaking high, I almost had a heart attack. I had to stop. <laughs> I had height issues after that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> falling well we're at the uh, we're at the 420 probably burn a little bit more and uh, play that song and let Eagle get into his uh, his final stuff well, now I'm doing a farewell dab. Yeah, I'm not I'll load up one more. That's cool, man. Got stuff to do, man. I wasn't even gonna log on. I wasn't even gonna come on tonight, except for until kind of kicked me up a little bit. So I decided to come on at least let it roll. Before I seen that you actually went live, I was gonna say like, "Hey, I was excited. I figured out how to fix my name." That's why I was so excited about the wormhole because yesterday we had that thing. I'm like, "Ah, fuck it. I'll figure it out." You know, <laughs> so I figured it out. So I was extra excited about the wormhole tonight. I didn't even notice that you're not Samsung tonight. That's true. Yeah. All right. Cheers, everybody out there. No more Samsung. Forever red pill. You never know, right, Bill? Some days, just for fun, when I'm in that kind of funny mood, I might just change it back to say Samsung, just for funsy sake, for the night. 
Just like I used to change it to Red Pill, I may occasionally change it back to Samsung just for fun's sake. <laughs> that's, that's good. Oh, man. <coughs> <Oof>. <coughs> oh, that was a good hit. <coughs> <coughs> Yeah. <laughs> Enjoying this as well. Yeah, it was a combination of uh, Gone Dog Mimosa and uh, Sunny and Kazoo that I just smoked there. Okay, <laughs> my butt. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry for all the coughing. <laughs> it made me sweat. <laughs> that was a really good hit. So do you have a target date where you're going to chop that outdoor plant down? Is it going to be like a in a day's time type thing or sometime soon? Um, tomorrow. Sweet. Yeah. Well, today. Yeah. Actually, yeah, today. It's coming out today. Actually. <laughs> so I'll more than likely be working on that tomorrow evening. And the nice thing about it, it'll be no it'll it'll be no trimming trouble at all because it's gotten it's just golf balls, you know. So I don't know. Very similar experience. I, maybe like it was like September something. I had a plan. It was a confidential cheese. <laughs> it was already a couple weeks in the flower. I'm like, hey, I can throw this outside and let the finish flower. <clears throat> and same thing. It got like all pur purple and black and burgundy and shit. But really compact nugs and really high calyx to leaf ratio. Still like indoor plant wood. Really easy to trim. Kind of low yielding. I think it only got like maybe eh, somewhere between two and four ounces off of it, but yeah, I'm not really I'm not good. gonna get a lot of it. Yeah. You know, really good weed. But I didn't grow it to grow a lot off of it, but I just grew it to <coughs> I just I just threw that one outside just to do an experiment on it, you know. First one ever. <coughs> All right, well, Nico. Yeah. I'm going to bounce out. Thanks for hopping on, letting us sit here and shoot the breeze. Yep. Talk about old times. No Appreciate Thank you, brother. Thank you guys for holding it down. Yeah. You, All right, man. Thank you so much, Johnny. We'll talk to you later. Red pill. Good yep. conversations. We've got to yep. do an experiment, man. All right, we'll talk to you. Look, yeah, we do. All right, Eagle. Uh, same thing as Johnny said. Thank you for letting us hold it down, and I had fun tonight. So I reached a milestone. I have my new name, or I have my name figured out. This is a meaningful one. Good one too. What number is this? Is this 384.5? 385.5? 
No, no point five because it was the only episode that I. It's only a point five when there's two. Well, I'm looking forward to tomorrow, and, uh, and I'll see you sometime soon. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Tonight, Dark Horse Genetics, 11.30. That'll be a good one. Hoping, Peace out. Open it. <laughs> Peace out, brother. Yep. Thank you. See you guys later. Well, you guys, I hope you guys do forgive me. Ah, man, I can't even take myself seriously. I hope you guys do forgive me. That's my, I don't want to sprint, squit while trimming glasses. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, you guys will forgive me for not doing the shout outs tonight. I do have a shitload of work to do. Not that uh, 15 more minutes is going to save me anything, but it is 15 minutes game. So with that being said, hopefully you will join me tonight. 11.30 with my guest, Dark Horse Genetics. Of course, you know who that is. If not, you need to look them up on Instagram and find out and check us out tonight at 11.30. I look forward to hanging out with you guys then. Thank you guys hanging out for the wormhole tonight with Johnny and Redfield and myself hanging out in the background. You guys know, hopefully you guys know I love you though. I was a little disappointed, though. I looked down my Instagram today and seen that, man, a shit a ton of people that were on the shout-outs list had unfollowed. I'll still shout-out, though. I'll still shout-out. You guys have a great day. You guys know the deal. If this is the end of your day, please get some rest. If this is the beginning of your day, please have an amazing day. I will see you tonight. 11.30. Please do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness. You can save lives. A living, breathing example of that.